about this is, uh, you know, that negative thought you've been having, and uh, I just, uh, I just can't let you try and change yourself without a fight, so, uh, go ahead and just turn the show off, okay, and, um, uh, yeah, everything's still fine. This is Blindsight with your host, Bill Lundgren, an AINC original podcast. You serious? We're not holding back truth. We're here to help you heal and become the best you possible. Here's the chair. Here's the pillow. Here's Bill. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Blind Sight, the product of Audio Information Network of Colorado. I'm your host, Bill Lundgren, and today we're going to have uh, our, a guest that I've uh, really been looking forward to, uh, Aaron Bacala, who will be, he and I will be talking about addiction. I know that the idea of addiction during the holidays is, uh, sounds like a down subject, but it's an important one, especially for the holidays. And for me, uh, I have to let people know that come this summer, I will have will celebrate my 50th anniversary as a professional in the addiction field. So this is uh, like a really uh, a topic that's important to me. So, Aaron, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. I would like to start off by getting some information from you about how you got into the field. Um, Bill, that's a pretty loaded question. Uh, it, it would take quite a while, but... Um, my life's path has has basically led me here. Um, you know, I, I uh, gosh, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to start on that one. Um, I've I've worked in many different fields. Sure, I've uh, I've I've been a police officer. You know, did the call, typical college student thing, I think, and and um, worked in bars and casinos. Uh, ended up in in as a therapist going to school and, and doing all that while I was, uh, working as a therapist early on, I, I, I was working at a crisis center and I, and I could see that co-occurring disorders was, was a big, it was just a huge deal. So I, I started taking the, the, the certified addictions courses and, and just kept going all the way through to, to the licensed addictions counselor. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really a lifetime of, of observation. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've all had you know, our experiences that brings us to this point. And it's such an important subject, but one that people don't like to talk about. No, no, I think you hit it on the head, especially with the holidays. Yeah. Well, uh, do you, I know in my experience, a lot of people would come in uh, at, in January. Mm. What has been your experience in terms of uh, addiction during the holidays? Well, the holidays is certainly a spike. I mean, you could pull up any sort of statistics on it with sales and 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 such, you know, to to, to confirm that. But you know, I I, I tend to kind of try, try to go by what my eyes tell me and 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 dare I say the common sense meter. But um, yeah, there's certainly a, a spike. Um, but I mean, it's 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 really our culture, our society. You know, we. You know, we, we, we used to used to have to go to the liquor store to get something, but nowadays it's it's you know, it wasn't enough that we had beer in the in the grocery stores, but but now we just passed more laws to, to, to allow the sales of wine and, and you know, so I mean it's our, our society is not 
is not backing away from. I, I think you could make a stronger argument that it's very subtle, but it's not so subtly making a full-scale sprint to even more addiction. Well, what are people coming in for treatment now? Is it still largely alcohol or mix? Is it depression? Uh, if you just describe where you work, uh, might help people uh, to understand, okay, the different ways that people get recovery. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it, it, through my career, it, it's it's kind of been the same, whether I was working at the crisis center or um, I've been the clinical director at a couple places over the years. Um, I was the intensive care coordinator at community mental health for a couple of years and, and, and now just, just working, you know, more traditional, I think, what society would think, just outpatient. Um, but But it's really been consistent throughout all of that. Um, you know, co-occurring disorders are, are make up, gosh, I, well, you could find a statistics to support just about anything. I try to kind of stick with the, you know, like the CDC or SAMHSA or some of those, but, you know, roughly 50% of people that, that come in with some sort of mental health diagnosis are also would be diagnosed with some sort of substance use disorder, um, that that I don't think has has changed much, and if it has, much like suicide, it's only increased. Mm-hmm. And how do you get people to make the transition from coming in for a mental disorder to really coming to realize that they have a substance abuse problem as well? What are what particularly what do parents have to pay attention to us or partners or friends of people who are in serious trouble with uh, addiction? Well, Bill, you're a therapist, aren't you? That's open ended. You're, you're giving me all kinds of leeway there. Um, the uh, with with kids uh, and parents. Um, you know, changes in behavior, grades. I mean, a lot of the traditional, more more noticeable things, of course. Um, but what I would do is 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 encourage them to to do some research. There's a lot of information online to that you can gather. If if your kiddo never used Snapchat before, for example, and now all of a sudden won't stay off of it. Um, that, that is one pipeline to making some of the not so healthy connections in, in this world for sure. Um, but as far as, as, as what I see coming in, I'm, I, I'm very definitely the, the Carl Rogers approach. I'll meet them where they're at. They're the expert in their life and, and, and I will go at the pace Mm -hmm. that they want to go at. And as long as, as, as they're recognizing that, that the substance abuse is playing a role, then, you know, we'll get gain a little traction quicker um if you know if they're kind of kind of stuck in that that ambivalence or or you know that pre-contemplation stage of change well then it's going to be a little slower and i'll just try to hold up that metaphorical mirror so they can see the connections themselves and and then hopefully we can you know i'll certainly beat them over the head with a feather to get there but um you know you you really got to meet the client where they're at and and go from there yeah, true. I th- I think one of the things, particularly for for people who uh, have a disability, what I've always found is that people around them say, "Well, if if I had that disability, blindness or whatever, I, you know, I drink, I 
you know, use whatever substance to avoid thinking about it. And that doesn't help any of us any, uh, very much. No, no, it really doesn't. I, you know, was just speaking with a client yesterday and, and, um, there, there's some, there's just some, some regular and growing conflict in, in his relationships. And, and, you know, by the end of the session, he could see that, 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 you know, drinking it, in his case, um, really it, it was just hitting the pause button. It wasn't improving anything. It was, it was just getting him to the next day, so to speak. Um, but in most cases, while it, it made the appearance of, of things going away or getting better, the reality was, um, in this relationship, it was irritating for, for his significant other and in essence, only making it worse the next day when they could talk about things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the problems I always had, and particularly when we're talking about someone uh, who has a disability, who also has a substance abuse problem, is the enabler. Mm. And, uh, uh, and and I think we need to talk about that because, you know, part of our audience are fam- family members, and it's important for everyone to pay attention to enabling, to uh, uh, having people be uh, have them uh, seize the codependency, the uh, behavior that's encouraging. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some of those, those, you know, classic, you know, catchphrases, if you will, the enabling is one of them. Um, I, I just kind of find the, the, the more broad umbrella of ambivalence, you know, their enabling is in there, minimizing, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can, the two will swim together at a holiday party where, you know, the, oh, it's just the holidays. It's not that big of a deal. It's not, you know, well, if, if, if your right. cousin or your uncle or whoever has a, a, a disorder, it is a big deal. And just because it's the holidays and just because everybody's having a, a glass of wine or something, that doesn't all of a sudden make it okay. And yeah, it is. Those, those lines get blurred real quick, especially in our culture. Again, I, we're, we're, we're not backing away from it. We're on a full sprint to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the kind of denial that mm-hmm. uh, run through those around the person with an addiction problem, mm-hmm. not just the addict or the alcoholic, it's the denial in the whole system. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, people have to understand. Yeah, everybody plays a role in it, no doubt about it. Yeah, and we have, in our society, we have such a loose uh, parameters that we allow people to uh, have bad behavior under the influence, and we let people get away with Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. Our our culture, our society in general... I mean, I don't, I don't want to get on a podium about culture and society, but it, it plays such a big role. I mean, you know, you, you know, I already mentioned that oh, the, the the beer in the grocery stores wasn't enough. Now we have to have alcohol. Now that now they want everybody to be able to deliver it. Now they, you know, but I mean, it, it goes so much further than that. You know, you, right. you get online and and you pick a social media, you know, and and God forbid your finger hovers over the wrong thing, and and the next thing you know is 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 the uh you're part of some algorithm and and now every other ad that's popping up on your device or your phone your your computer whatever is some sort of advertisement 
Um, but I mean, it, it doesn't stop there. I mean, you know, the, the uh, gambling is getting legalized everywhere. You know, m- marijuana is getting legalized everywhere. Um, you know, pornography and these only fans thing. I mean, it's just, I, I guess for me as a licensed addictions counselor, I, I just sit back and shake my head and wonder, gosh, what, when, when, when is there something that steps in that, that reflects what's actually healthy as opposed to, to, to just this ongoing addiction cycle? Well, you remember during COVID, uh, which we're still in, yeah. but uh, there was the approval for people to deliver cocktails to people who couldn't go to the bars. And I have to say that gave me the willies. Yeah to hear that simply because I know social drinking but I mean to have you you know drink delivered was just a little bit making it just a little bit too easy oh absolutely you know and 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 I'll tell you what's troubling to me about that goes beyond the addiction itself now now start talking about suicide you know uh, the suicide rates from I believe it was 2000 to like 2018 something like that they increased like 30 40 percent we actually had a decrease for a couple of years right before COVID set in. Once COVID set in, it bounced back and increased, I think, another 4%. And the, the early data this year, I mean, I know we're in December, but they're still gathering it. Um, the early data this year is showing it up 8%. Well, if you, if you factor in that roughly 60% of all suicides include some sort of substance abuse, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. Let let I got a great idea. Let's deliver it to them too. You know, is again we we have a very distinct cultural problem. Yeah, is there any particular thing that you've experienced that kind of? Well, I'll take an example for me. My last drink was New Year's Eve, when I realized I had a blackout. Oh goodness! Yeah, and that did it for me. But what do you think that will get people? to come and, and begin to think, get past the denial of addiction. What do people have, to, you know, people that you see these days, uh, you know, in my, the early days of my getting into the field, uh, I got really severe. There was DTs and everything like that. People are coming in these days earlier, but what is it that family members and the individual need to take a look at when and, and realize that they need help. Oh, boy, Bill, that, that, that is, that is the magic wand question, really. I mean, if it was super simple, or if you ever figure it out, write a book, you, you'll retire right, right away if you do that, because again, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's so multifaceted and, and, you know, when you're, when you're trying to meet someone where they're at, I mean, you know, if, 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 gosh, that is a tough question, uh, you know, cause my mind just goes in so many different directions with it. Um, because it, it's starting so much earlier now too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The kids, kids are doing a lot more using, of uh, uh, pills and alcohol than I think when I was young. 
Well, and they've, and they've also got the vaping going on that, that we didn't have going on when you and I were younger. I mean, they, you know, you could smoke cigarettes. Or you could, That's right. You know, but these, mm-hmm. these, these vape pens and, and all the, the, the stuff that they can buy, I mean, some of it's, uh, well, dare I say harmless, but some of it's not as harmful as others. And, you know, a couple of years ago when I was working at a in-person private practice, um, it's very close to the, the, the area high school. Um, in fact, across our parking lot, you could see the parking lot of the high school. So I worked with a bunch of kiddos from that school. And, and it was so bad at that point in time that they literally had to take the doors off the bathrooms because these kids are in there. And, you know, are they vaping one of these, you know, uh, uh, fruit cartridges or whatever? Or is it marijuana? Or is it, I mean, the, again, I, not to continue beating this drum, but watch me. We're, we're on a full-scale sprint towards addiction, not away from it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you, if you had a magic wand that says, look, uh, I want to change the system, what do you, where do you think you would start? Um, I think one area that I, I, I've always struggled with myself is, is with the DUI laws. You know, all these, all these different co- uh, states and, and, and um, counties come up with their different, you know, criteria, be it a, a 0.08 or a 0.1 or whatever, whatever their research shows that at, at this point, you, your decision making is, is impaired, your reaction to all, all of these different indicators say right here is, is, is where you're not, we've identified you're not able to make the best decision or have reaction time or whatever. But they also say that right at that point that we just mm-hmm. clearly identified, you can't do it. We need you to make the decision to not drink and drive. So I would start with that. Why would you, why mm-hmm. would you set mm-hmm. up a system that's geared to, to, to fail right from the get-go? Why not just make it against the law to drink and drive, period? If you drink at all, then you don't drive. Now you need an Uber. Now you need a, a DD. Now you need, you know, now you're taking someone who's, who's, who you haven't already proven can't make good decisions and saying here, it, it, completely sober, we need you to make the decision right now that you will not drink and drive. And as long as they'll do that, I, numbers would plummet, I, I think. Um, but uh, some of the wrong numbers for some people would plummet too. insurance rates and and all these. I mean, the, the, these DUIs are a cash cow for a lot of different entities. And I don't know that that's necessarily what our culture wants. But again, that's not going to be the popular opinion. There's going to be people that would try to tear that apart. But I just look at it as fundamentally, why not make that change? Why not just make it against a lot of drink and drive at all, period? End of story. So that would be that would be symbolic of a change. I would think would be um, common sense. However, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> you and me both. I remember I started a DUI program for a county years ago, and I, you know, was getting a pushback from uh, the uh, the judges, and just by accident, a friend of mine was a major D at a major. Uh, restaurant, and he was just telling me about a judge that uh, he'd have to pour into the the guy's car, you know, help him get in the car. And I thought, oh, that's why we were having trouble with enforcement of DUI yeah. in, in our county. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it be, and there's also also we tend to uh, punish 
those who are uh, lower economic level or someone for whom there's an excuse, either they're wealthy or, as in the case of people with just disabilities, oh, it's okay, yeah, well, we'll let them drink and drive and whatever. And I think you're right. It, it certainly would uh, uh, solve a lot of problems if we were very clear-cut, but we're not. No, I, it's, it is. It's, it's tough, you know. I mean, I remember not too long ago, well, I don't know, maybe I'm getting older now, but there was two uh, very, very prominent NFL wide receivers at roughly the same time. One was in a nightclub and shot himself through the leg. Stupid for sure, um, but he only harmed himself, right? And well, I guess he obviously could have harmed someone mm-hmm. else. But but the way that the way this played out, he shot himself through the leg and and I'm and, and ended up going to jail. I think his sentence was for roughly two years or something. I can't remember for sure, right? But dumb and 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 I think the punishment was was fitting in many ways. However, at that same period in time, another very prominent NFL receiver, uh, while intoxicated, ran an individual over, not on the street, on the sidewalk, and didn't go to jail, not even for a day. He, he bought his way out of that. Yeah. So, you know, much like the story you just told, again, that, but that's our culture. Nobody wants to not, not drink. Nobody wants to not use until it's too late and they realize, wow, somebody's dead. Somebody's, you know, I, I, I mean, and, and so, yeah, that's why I say that magic wand question, man, if you can figure it out, I, I'm not really sure how to, I'm not really sure how better to, to get to that um, when you have a glaring example like that and yet nothing changes. Well, the, the, that's part of the difficulty of the family because there's such a shame around being, uh, being an addict or being an alcoholic. And family members don't want to bring shame in the family, so they just kind of say, oh, well, he just drinks a little too much or whatever, yeah. and fail to recognize the the pattern, yeah. that there's a constant pattern of this. It wasn't until after my grandmother died that my mother and I had long moved out of the house, so I didn't know what was going on down there. My uh, her daughter, my mother, just uh, said, well, you know, she was, and she described how much alcohol she was drinking in her later years, and nothing was done. Nothing yeah. was said to me about it. Nothing was said, said in the family, because it was, it was uh, our grandmother. We couldn't, yeah. you know, accuse her of being an alcoholic, and, you know, she, she died yeah. of liver failure. Well, and, and that kind of goes back to that co-occurring disorders deal. You know, what about the question of mm-hmm. why was she drinking? Is she sad? Is she is she nervous? Yeah. Is she, you know, I mean, do we have a, a, a major depressive disorder going on? And, and, and that's her maladaptive as it may be. That's her coping behavior. Um, again, they, they, they swim together. Mm-hmm. You know, you get some major... Um, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, any of these different ones in our culture, that's kind of the go-to and has been for years. Thankfully, that's changing a bit now, but so often it, that, that's really where it, it, it comes into to play. And, and again, it's the stigma of mental health mm. that's involved with people, or 
are afraid to say, you know, uh, you have a depressive disorder. Oh, I'm not using a diagnosis thing. You're very depressed because they assume, well, because they drink, they're depressed. Well, they may be drinking because they're depressed. Right. It's sort of feeding off each other. And we've got to stop it in some way. We've got to break the cycle. Yeah, yeah. And, well, he's no he's no fun unless he's drinking. <laughs> well, you know, maybe you give him a chance if you get him sober and uh, out of the depression. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I guess the only good thing that's that that's coming to it is is you know the the medications are improving. There's there's all, it isn't just the good old days of antabuse anymore. There's all kinds of different um, treatment options out there that help reduce cravings. That that can you know I mean, gosh, everything from from naltrexone to, to gosh, you name it, the Narcan spray. That there, there's all kinds of stuff out there. But but it's really come out of necessity. Not out, I, I don't know that it's so much to help people. Again, it's 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 a money making entity, of course. Not that they they're not entitled to, to to earn a living based on on what they've created. But kind of which one's coming first, the the chicken or the egg? There is is this about money or is this about helping people? I'm happy that it helps people, of course, but. Mm-hmm. But we've created such a, 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 a horrid problem that, that we're trying to come up with all these different ways, you know, there's, and there are some good ways too. you know, you, you take the homeless population, there's some really, really cool things going on in, in a few different uh, places, Canada's one in particular, where they're making these, these like, like, they're essentially taking sheds and making little mini house communities for people. And, and that's really what helps at the most or the, is, is finding a community. Um, there's apps that are out there now. I am sober. Um, all these different resources. Now, if people look for them, um, I met a guy, um, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's fairly popular with the kids when they hear it. His, his organization is called sober AF. Um, he 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 does quite well with it though. I mean, they'll they'll rent out entire sections of pro stadiums and and do tailgating that's all sober and stuff. I mean, it's it's. I think we're gaining some ground and some traction in many ways, but I just can't help but to see it as a, a fish swimming up river because you know you you make a gain here, you come up with a medication there or an app there. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, the, the, you're probably going to become sort of part of some algorithm online for it to, to, to try and lure you back, you know? It's, it's just, it's sad. Well, hello, everybody. Jonathan Price here. I am the podcast producer at Audio Information Network. And I want to thank you for listening to part one in our series of addiction and overcoming addiction with Aaron Bakella. Uh, he's been a fantastic interview so far. If you like what you hear, I want to encourage you to go onto Spotify or Apple uh, Podcasts and give us a review. Uh, give us a five-star rating if you can. It really helps us climb the chart to make sure that we are getting the information not only to you, but to uh, your friends and family as well. Uh, like I said, this is part one of part two. Next week, Bill will be joined by Aaron again, and they'll be talking more about the facilities for addiction, friends and family, and how they can react to somebody in an addictive state, and some other questions around the behaviors and attitudes of an addictive personality. So please come back next week as we dive into part two. Again, thank you so much. 
On behalf of Bill Lundgren and the Audio Information Network of Colorado, I'm Jonathan Price. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you.